Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know Him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who He's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. The only way we can truly expect good from evil is understanding God's intentions for us. Once again, I reiterate, don't get caught up on the word evil in the sense of sinister, crime, and all that. Evil in the very general sense of the antithesis of God, the opposite of God, the opposite of goodness, the condition of this world, the condition of our hearts without God, our predisposition to do what we want to do and be selfish. All of that is evil, right? The lack of goodwill towards men. So the first point is good and evil are not polar equals. Okay, so let's make a distinction here. Good is not on the same level as evil is. Because then what that would mean is evil is equal to God. It's the same level. Or it's at the same level of power and influence. Good always trumps evil, which means you will always be able to find good news no matter what situation you're in. Having God in your life always points to something better. And if it doesn't point to something better immediately for you, it definitely points to something better concerning you. And I think we really have to get that in our mindset um, and that will help us with anxiety and fear and all the stuff that we deal with. Uh, we go through a season and we go through a bad time in our life and it seems like it's insurmountable. And it seems like it's just as powerful as God and like God is wrestling with evil. No, God is not wrestling with evil. God is not wrestling with delivering us from things. God is not wrestling with rescuing us and all that. Like it's some major thing that God has to really go toe-to-toe in 12 rounds with the devil. It's not even a contest. But the way we have to see that is the closer we get to God, the bigger we see he is. The more we get into his word and the more we cultivate a heart and an understanding and appreciation and eyes to see and believe that I'm going to experience God's goodness based on his reputation and track record and his word. That's going to cause us to have a posture of confidence when we go through things that are not pleasant. We come into the second year of this whole pandemic thing, coming down the line, and it just seems like there's one thing after the other. And here come another variant. And here comes this and that. And it seems like it's, and it's very easy right now to lose hope. It's very easy right now at the end of this year to have trepidation about next year. God does not want us to fall into the trap and fall into the cycle of not expecting to see his goodness and not expecting to only receive good news, but be conduits of good news in the years to come. So this is kind of like a recalibration here. So good and evil are not polar equals. Evil is the reason for the state of this world. It's the devil's work to keep us separate and blind to the goodness of God. But evil has an end. The devil has an end. 
the works of darkness have an end. That right there proves that evil and good are not polar equals. First John 3 and 8. Bible says the devil has been sinning since the beginning. Anyone who continues to sin belongs to the devil. Watch this. The son of God, Jesus Christ, came for this to destroy the work of the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil. So what does this have to do with the garden and what does this have to do with the beginning? God created a perfect world and he created the perfect world for us to enjoy. We can prove that he created it for us to enjoy because he made us last. He created everything else and then he created us and then he put us in it to enjoy. So he anticipated what we would like, put it in the world for us to have a lifetime to discover it. What, a, what an amazing God we, we serve. So now God puts us in this world and he creates everything and every good seed and every tree and everything like that. I mean, there's rivers in his garden. It's a, it's a, it's a utopia. It's a beautiful place that we could enjoy. And God gives us one thing and he says, listen, you can have all the trees in the garden you want. You can have everything, right? But you just can't have this one tree. And guess what that tree is called? That tree is called the knowledge of good and evil. And I wrestled with that and I said, well, God, you know, I mean, you give us the tree of life. That sounds good. You give us everything else that didn't even have a name or names that we didn't know. And it really doesn't matter what the name is because God said it was good and it was good for us, right? All the animals, everything to enjoy. But there was one thing that God said, I don't want you to have that. Now, this is where we get stuck. Instead of hearing the good news that, listen, you have everything you need in this garden. That's good news, right? The bad news in quotes is, but you can't have that tree. So now this is the work of the devil. The work of the devil makes us focus on the bad news instead of the majority of good that God has given us already. And that's what happens, right? In this season, you know, a lot of people have lost jobs. A lot of people have lost loved ones. A lot of people have um, been, been wrestling with, with the onset of fear and anxiety and, and what that's done to our bodies and what that's done to everything else. Um, so it's very easy to, to, to look at this season of our lives as bad news. But God wants us to call to remembrance all of the good things, the 99.9% of the things that we can have and the things that we have had, right? And you said something powerful last time. The subject of this series is good news is coming, but to God, good news is already here. So good news is coming. That's our perspective. Good news is here. That's God's perspective. You see that, right? So we are catching up to what God has already done. We are living and hoping to experience the fullness of what God already knows is going to happen. So God is looking down and says, good news is here. But we are looking, saying good news is coming. So there's an anticipation because God has already finished and made everything that he was going to make. And he had our intentions at heart. And I'm just going to add to that because I was going to say it last week in correlation to what you just said. When God proclaimed or pronounced to Eve what her seed was going to do. He was basically talking about how the serpent would bruise the heel of the seed, but the seed would in turn kill the serpent, right? So mm -hmm. in that moment, the good news, it was, it was gold. Like in that moment, mm -hmm. it was good as here. Mm -hmm. But yet humanity had to go through hundreds and hundreds of years of, like you just said, catching up to what, what God had already proclaimed in the garden.
So once the good news is proclaimed and it goes out of his mouth, it doesn't return void. It accomplishes what it is set out to do. Yep. So the good news has already been proclaimed. We just have to catch up to it. We have to receive it as it was said and let our life catch up to or our circumstance or whatever we're dealing with catch up to what was already proclaimed. Our expectations to catch up to it. Yeah, right. that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. And this is the work. Like most people are like, you know, well, I'm going to give my life to the Lord and I'm going to just live this Christian thing. And, and what we're trying to do through these devotionals and through this, you know, what we're attempting to do for God is to really get us to uh, go behind the scenes at what it really means to live this thing out every day what it really means to walk with God every day, what it really means to uh, uh, go through life with the Lord. Not go to church, not just do Bible study and prayer and the traditional things, but what does this look like? What does a Christian life look like every day when you're having problems? What, how involved is God in your everyday life and everyday decisions? What are you thinking about God? Is it based on your past trauma and your base, past experience? Or is it based on what God said? This is the work of believing that we're trying to, and that's how you get free. You get free in your mind because it's the work of believing and this is what it is. At the heart of believing who God is, is always having a posture of perpetual hope to experience his goodness. That is the backbone and the power of this season and the power of everything that we're attempting to get through. Second point is God knows the difference between good and evil, right? God knows that. There are certain things that are reserved for God. There are certain things in our life that's not going to have an explanation. There's going to be certain things in our lives that's going to be like, God, what are you doing? This makes no sense. This looks like you don't care. I done prayed about this. I've been believing you about this. I've been struggling with this forever. I've been going through this problem. I've been, whatever your it is, sometimes God has sovereign reasons that you're not ready for. And this is what happens in the garden, right? If God creates the garden and says, everything in this garden is for you, and I've given you every single tree, I want you to think about your own life. And God has created a garden of life for you. And everything that he has deemed necessary for you, pleasurable for you, for your path, for your disp disposition, for how he's made you internally, for your soul, he has given you that. Yet there are some things that he reserves for a time that he knows you're not ready for or you are ready for. And our problem a lot of times is we get into the realm of playing God and thinking that God doesn't really know what he's doing, right? Now, there are a lot of theories about what the knowledge of good and evil is and all that you know, stuff. We're not going to get into that. You know, that'll be another fun discussion. Maybe we'll talk about that stuff in like discipleship or another, another forum. But just for the sake of this, um, it doesn't really matter what that is, because if God is keeping something from me, he's telling me what the consequences are for me partaking of that prematurely. That is, the, the knowledge is going to kill you. But I'm going to put it in here and reserve it for a time for you. Right. I believe I believe that God put the tree, the, the tree in, the, in the garden to reveal that to us at a certain time but it wasn't supposed to be immediate because it would cause us to spiritually die. It would be too much for us. 
And that's a lot of times what, you know, God, and I, we use, because a lot of us are parents and we, we, we deal with kids and stuff. And there's some things that kids feel like they know and they, they can know, but you have to reserve it for a time. Like, I can't tell you everything about this now because your questions about it are going to kill you. Your mind is going to explode. Just if I tell you what this is, you're going to lose your mind with the questions that's going to come about it. So I'm not going to do that. You focus on enjoying what I've already given you. And then the knowledge of what I've given you may end up being the keys to you understanding what I didn't give you right away. So there's this whole idea of the temptation to play God. And then what that does is that undermines the, the hope and the sentiment of an expectation of goodness from God, because now we'll start to feel like God is withholding stuff from us. And now we'll start to look at, look at God as manipulating us and controlling us and that thing. And that's not God. So we know the story. The serpent came, deceived. And now what happens is spiritual death enters into this realm. So now this perfect environment that God had created for us has now been marred. It has been corrupted. And that is the reason why the world is in the state that it is now because of the sin that happened in the garden. But this is where the heart of Christmas comes in. Now we know that God's disposition towards us is good and God's intention for us is good, then we must look for the good in this situation. As soon as man fell and as soon as man sinned, God made a promise. And as you said, God made a promise that would inject hope for all of us to enjoy. He injected good news in the midst of the evil that has happened. In the midst of us choosing to disobey God, and many times we have, and even in our own lives, we have disobeyed God. We have done things that we know God has challenged us not to do and all that. And we're suffering the consequences in our own lives. At the end of the day, though, God is encouraging us that even though you may be suffering the consequences of your actions or whatever happened in your life, that you know that God is leading you to do something else and you haven't done it. God still wants you to find and believe that his good intentions for you supersede what caused you to mess up. The scripture that I want to kind of close with, and as we're coming towards the end and tie this whole thing up as far as how we bring it to Christmas, is Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 15. I believe this is, a, this is a beautiful bridge to kind of bring us to a little more clarity as far as, you know, what good news does and how God injected hope into this situation where now mankind has experienced spiritual death. And the angel said unto them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you, that you shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Notice what God does once again. Notice what God did again. God injected a seed of hope into a dark and bleak situation. He says, fear not, I bring you good news 
of great joy. There's another translation that says, don't be afraid. I'm bringing you very good news that's going to make everybody very happy. Now, notice when God is saying this and when Jesus is born and born in a manger and all that, the reason why this mimics the creation story is because God gives us the definition of what this baby is going to do in the future tense. Look at how God says stuff. And I think this is important because when you look at your own life and you understand God's posture, God is the God of the future. He's eternal, right? So his perspective is always, it's already done. Sometimes we get stuck in our present and try to bring God down into our present and lock him here. But God has already seen the future. He is the future. He is eternal. So look at this. Fear not. I bring you, hold on. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I bring you, so I'm bringing you good news, which means there is an expectation in the future. God is bringing good news from eternity to us in the present. An angel, an eternal angel comes and brings an eternal message to us in the present, which lets us know that the message has a future connotation of God's goodness. Now let's inject that into our own life, right? If God says, I have a plan for your life, when we get discouraged because we're stuck in the present, we must remember where the plan came from. Because if God has a plan, the plan is already completed. It's a plan in the present to be worked out now, but in eternity, it's already done. And I, ho I hope, you, hope you're seeing this. So the angel brings, he says, don't be afraid. He brings, I'm bringing you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you this day in the city of David is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Okay. Unto you is born a baby that is actually right now just as much as the Savior as he will be in 33 years when he dies on the cross. Hope is a seed that God implants in our hearts to give us an expectation and anticipation of his goodness in the future. This is why we can say good news is coming because good news is already here. That day, years and years and years and years and years after the garden and generations and generations and generations after Adam and Eve messed up, and dealing with all the sacrifices and all this other stuff that we had to do to try to get in good graces with God. And going through all this stuff, one night, a baby is born. And it's not just any baby. This baby represents good news that will bring great joy to all people. So that means good news is for everybody. Good news from God is from everybody. Good news is coming means that's a message for everybody. And it will bring great joy to all people. And how are you going to find this good news? Well, good news starts as a seed, like this baby, small and significant, just like hope. Hope is a maybe, right? Hope, hope has got a little bit of maybe in it because you have to deal with the expectation time. We don't know when things are going to turn around. But it's not dealing with the time when things are going to turn around. It's like us wrestling with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? The time that things are going to turn around is God's business. It's our job to focus on the 99.9% .9 of good that we've experienced and hope in the goodness of God 
that I might believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. So hope is a seed that God plants in us as a reminder to expect and experience God's goodness, no matter what situation we find ourselves in. And this Christmas season gives us a beautiful representation of how small hope is in our reality, but how big hope is to God. It's a baby wrapped in a feeding box, born in a barn. But at the same time, that's a seed of salvation. That's a seed of deliverance for every single person to be able to walk in freedom in their mind, walk in freedom in their spirit. And look at the celebration here in verse 13. And suddenly after this declaration that this baby is born and it's the Savior and it's Christ the Lord, suddenly there was with that angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And we'll get into that aspect of goodwill next week. But let's look at the posture of heaven in regards to a seed of hope. Let's look at the posture of heaven as far as an expectation for what God has done. Heaven is celebrating over a baby in our present dimension. But heaven is celebrating eternally because Christ finished what he started. Let's look at the balance. Like either we're going to be heavenly minded or we're going to be stuck in our earthly mindset. I want to be forward thinking that when God is telling me something that I have not realized yet because I'm stuck in my present situation, the good news of it is if God said it, it's already done. So if God says he has a plan for me, I don't care what my life looks like. It doesn't matter what my, my job is to hope in what God said about me. And if we can, if we, in this Christmas season, as we listen to the songs and think about the season, I pray that we redefine the power of hope and the power of our expectations and that we come to a greater appreciation of the depths of God's love and the depths of God's goodness towards us. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Why? Because a seed of hope was planted in an evil situation. A seed of hope was planted in an evil situation. Good news was injected for us to grab onto, for us to hold on to. It's my prayer that even now, whatever your situation is, whatever you're going through in your life, whatever is uh, keeping you from really expecting to see God's goodness in your life, that God will allow the truth of this season and this Christmas time to be a reminder to you that good news is coming because good news is already here. Amen? Amen. So in that mindset, Lord, we pray, God, that you would help us in how we think about our future, help us in how we see you, help us in how we expect you, help us in how we see each other, Help us in how we see your plan for our lives. Help us to not play God. Help us to not reduce you down to our circumstances, but keep you on the throne. That we'll always know that you are God and sovereign. And that all good and perfect gifts come from you. You are our source, Lord. You are our source. So we give you praise now. 
We pray a blessing over every family, every single listener, that we may be drawn even more close to your precious goodness and love in this season. Lord, this is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you go, we'd like to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, we shall be saved. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I recognize and acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of your grace. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn away from my sins and ask you to forgive me and save me. I make you Lord of my life. If you made this life-changing decision, welcome to the family. We want to know about it. Connect with us online at www.thelifehouseministries.org or by downloading the LifeHouse app. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep you.